going to talk about prayer. And there was a time just recently where uh, my son Mitch had canceled a service to Comcast um, cable. And it was, it was actually July of 2020, he canceled the service. Well, he calls them up and talks about canceling. They say, well, look, in order to cancel, you need to send a specific email, and here's what it needs to say, and here's where it needs to go. So he did that. And uh, luckily, he saved all that information, the dating and everything. And then he gets a bill the next month, you know, in August and September and October, and then they're getting after him, you know, you're not paying your bill. And, of course, he's called them multiple times and said, I don't know how else to explain this. You can check that I'm not getting any service. I don't know how to do this. Well, you know, now they're like, you need to pay your bill, young man. He's like, I don't have the service. And so he calls in a heavy hitter to deal with this, um, Mom, and uh, a.k.a. Darlene McIntyre, and says, here. And so, so, I mean, it's been going on for months. So Darlene's got a type A personality, so she's, she's going to go at this thing. And so she knocks away at it, and she's struggling with it. Um, she's got an anointing for fixing these kind of things. And so she goes to bed one night, and she says a simple little prayer. She said, Lord, she said, this thing seems cursed that I can't seem to fix this thing. And he said, I need your help. Well, she woke up the next morning, and when she thought about this, she thought uh, of this situation. Three words came across her mind and heart, which she believed was the Lord. Don't accept defeat. Don't accept defeat. And so she just had peace right there and said, this is all going to get resolved, made a phone call, got a hold of a lady who she could tell by what she was saying that this gal's really getting it. You know, she's going to fix it. And it was fixed and done. A simple prayer a word from the Lord, peace, item resolved. That has been going on for six, seven, eight months on this. Well, we're going to talk today about prayer along those lines. Prayer, never give up. I was going to call it don't accept defeat, but Jesus actually uses the line never give up, so I thought I would use it. But same kind of thing. Don't accept defeat. Never accept defeat. Never give up. And so Luke, this wonderful historian, is telling this story about Jesus in Luke 18. Now Luke does something that's really handy. He starts off the parable with what we're supposed to learn from it. Now you might notice you read some parables of Jesus and you get to the end and you go, I'm not really sure I get what he was trying to communicate there. The nice thing about Luke is Luke just says, here's exactly what it's about. One day Jesus told his disciples a story, a parable. It's a made-up story. Uh, to teach a point, uh, a story that they should what? Always pray. Is it on the screen there? Okay. That they should always pray and what? Never give up. So we already got the answer. This is what the story is going to teach us, that we should always pray and never give up. We should always what? Pray and never give up. That's the story. That's what we're supposed to learn and glean from this story. He shows that we should always pray and never give up. And then he begins to share a story that is a parable of contrast, which we'll get to in a moment. Jesus says, there was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice. Now I want to pause for a second. When Jesus picks characters in a parable, they're very specific. They weren't just at random. So here's a judge. A judge is going to represent one of the most powerful people in the community. A widow in this culture would be probably one of the least powerful people in the community. So you get the story. He purposely picked a widow here. And it says, this widow of the city came to him saying, give me justice in my dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. 
I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord Jesus said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Now here's the lesson we usually learn. Oh, I'll just keep badgering God and pestering God until I wear him down. I will exhaust him, exasperate him, and he'll finally say, oh, I'll give her what she wants because she's wearing me out. That's not the lesson. The lesson is to learn that we should always pray and never give up. But there is something about this unjust judge. You caught, you caught the title, unjust judge. There's an unjust judge. And here's what Jesus said. Even he, an unjust judge, rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? See, God's not unjust. Isaiah tells us that God says this, I, the Lord, love justice. He tells us his people, Micah, he said, who has shown you, O people, what you should do and what the Lord requires of you, that you should do justly and love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So our God is a God of justice. He's not an unjust judge. And so here Jesus is saying, if this gal who had no power, no financial power, no political power, no social power, she had no power at all, if she could get what she wanted from an unjust judge who didn't fear God and didn't like people, how much easier should it be for us to get what we desire from God when we cry out to him day and night? And it says, surely, I tell you, he, God, will grant justice to them quickly, exclamation point. Now that's kind of the end of the story, except Jesus tags on this line here and then just moves right on to another parable. But it's this line that kind of caught my attention, as well as others in the story, but this is the wrap-up line. But when the Son of Man returns... How many will he find on the earth who have faith? I mean, I was doing pretty good there with it, okay? Uh, we're going to pray and never give up. Um, the unjust judge is nothing like God, so she could get what she wants from him. We should be able to get what we want from God, and we should be able to get it quickly. And then all of a sudden, but when I return, will I find people on the earth who have faith? And so I want to say, can we explore this concept a little bit? But Jesus doesn't. He just moves right on and starts telling another parable. So we have to look elsewhere around the scripture to discover, what's this whole idea about faith? Now, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, we get a definition. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is confidence. I think the King James actually liked that translation better. Now faith is the substance. Is that right, King James users? Substance. I like that. I like that better in confidence, but they're both good translations. Now, faith is confidence. It's the substance in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So we could look at that and say, I'm not sure I really understand the definition, so I'll help us understand that here. We're hoping for something. When we pray, by the way, the Bible says we don't pray for things we already have, right? We need no faith for what we already have. You drove to, if you drove to church today in a car that you own, then you don't have to be praying God, asking God for a car. You have one. You may want a different one, but you don't have to ask for that car because you have it. If you have something, you do not have to have faith. You don't even have to have hope. You don't have to pray. You already have it. And the scriptures teach us that as well. But here we're hoping for something, which means we don't have it, and we can't yet see it. Now, you have some things in your life that you're hoping for that you can't yet see, 
And it could be a material thing or a spiritual thing or a health thing or it could be lots of different things that you're hoping for, but you don't see it yet. Well, God says what you do have at this moment is something that has substance to it. It's something that has, can give you confidence, and that's faith. Faith. Now, what's that look like? Darlene and I are going to, we've been thinking about getting a new uh, stove, range, whatever you call them, in our kitchen. And so we've scoped around, looked around, done our research. We picked what we believe we want. So we want this gas, particular gas range. Well, we've asked around a few places, and, and they don't keep that one in stock. It's one that they say is not an item they sell a lot of. So for purpose of illustration, let's say we, we finally decide we're going to make this thing happen, and we go to an appliance dealer who, by the way, I believe it should be one that has a, a good reputation of honesty and all that. I wouldn't say what I'm going to do I would do to some stranger I met in a parking lot. But we go and talk to them. They say, hey, this isn't something that we, we carry, and we don't want you to order it and then decide you don't want it. So if you really want this, you're going to have to pay for it in full. And so we say, that's fine. So we pay for it in full. Now, when we pay for it in full, we'll just pretend the thing costs $1,000. If you've, you know, we've, we've given a person $1,000, you know what they're going to give us back at that moment? They're going to give us a piece of paper. You gave them 1000 bucks, and they're going to give you a piece of paper. It's going to like be a receipt. And it's going to say, you know, you paid in full this, here's the product, you know, here's our guesstimated date of delivery, and yada, yada, yada. And this is all I have. For a thousand bucks, this is all I have. But everybody understands that. If I said to you, "Oh my goodness, we got a new stove and it has this feature and that feature and da da da," and you said, "Oh, that's cool. I've been kind of wanting one like that too. Can I come over and look at it?" And I said, "Well, we don't have it. I mean, we not in our possession. We paid for it in full. No one would think it's weird if we say we got a receipt for it. But it's a specialty order. It's going to be a few weeks till it comes in. Everybody goes, "Okay, I get that." But this is really all I have. What is this? Faith. This is the substance of what I'm hoping for that I do not yet see. This receipt. That's all I have. I have the word of a human being who told me, I promise you, we're going to take your money, order that product, ship it to our store, and deliver it and install it at your house. And I'm crazy enough, again, if it's a reputable company, to believe them. To just believe him. And all I have is a piece of paper. And again, if I tell most people that, you know, you can come over and see it in six weeks after we get installed, they'll, I don't doubt there's anybody say, I don't believe you really have that thing. They would all say, I, I, I believe, I get the system, I understand how that works. So that receipt is like faith. It's what I hold on to. It's the substance of what I'm hoping for that I don't yet see and one day I can exchange that for the actual product. Now, once I have the actual product, then I don't have to pray for it, believe for it, hope for it, or anything. And in fact, once I really have faith, my hoping and believing is pretty well done. I have trusted God for it. So I want to look at this, because again, I'm looking at this parable, I'm saying, I get it, I want to pray and never give up. I realize God is just, and this was an unjust judge. But then you're telling me that we need to operate in this faith thing, and so we see what faith is, kind of as a definition, but I want, to see us, I want to see it work out in the life of someone. And it's this guy named Abraham who absolutely blows me away every time I read about him. In Romans, the fourth chapter, we're going to hear a little bit about Abraham. 
It says, therefore, the promise comes by faith. Now, the promise we're talking about earlier is salvation through Jesus Christ. Therefore, the promise of salvation comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Now, these Romans weren't Jewish people, but they might know that Abraham was the beginning of the Jewish nation. So Paul's going to elaborate that when I'm talking about Abraham's offspring, I'm just not talking about Jewish people. So he goes on to say, not only those who have the law, those would be Jewish people, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham, he is the father of us all. The Bible says this about Abraham. Abraham believed God. That was it. Abraham believed God, and it was accredited to him, is added to his account as righteousness. He was made righteous by believing God. Long before Jesus, long before the cross, long before the resurrection, he, he laid an example of what was to come, that we would be justified, made right with God by faith. And it says, as is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father, talking about Abraham, in the sight of God, in whom he, Abraham, believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Now, there's two ways God rescues us from death. First of all, the Bible says you could be in this room today, and the Bible says that if you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you are dead in transgressions and sins. And so Jesus, faith in Christ, saves us from that death. But then one day, we will lay aside these mortal bodies, these earth suits, these Tense. I think it's 2 Corinthians 5. I sometimes get it confused whether it's first or second. I think it's 2 Corinthians 5. It says that God designed us for a day when we will lay aside these earth suits. And it says, and our mortality, our humanity, our mortality will be swallowed up by the life of God. I've always marveled at that because God doesn't call that death. We call it death. He doesn't. He says we get swallowed up by the life of God. And so God is the one who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. He calls something into existence that didn't exist. So if you say to yourself, I need this and I don't even have it, God can call it into existence. God can make it happen. God did that all the time. We read the stories in the Old Testament and we believe them, but then uh, we have a hard time believing in our current day. These million-plus Israelites were rescued from Egypt and got to a sea, and God parted it. And they walked through on dry ground. Amazing. It's all kinds of wild things that happen because God was able to call things into existence because at that time there was no seas that I know that would just part in the middle and all the water would hold up like walls on the side and people could walk through. But God can do what doesn't exist to make it exist. Now here's where we get into some crazy things about Abraham. So I want to encourage your faith. Because I don't believe that Abraham was... We never see this in Scripture ever where God says, Now, you, you know those commercials you see on TV and it says, Kids, don't try this at home? We never see that about, about Abraham, where he says, By the way, don't try this at home. In fact, in James, where James is talking about these powerful things that Elijah did, he said, Let me tell you something. Elijah was a man just like us. He was just a person. He was just a human being. Peter and John heal this guy and say, why are you looking at us as though we've done some strange thing? We're just normal people. It's this Jesus. So it always goes back to the power of God. 
And so here I love Abraham against all hope, not a little bit of hope, not 50-50, but against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Now it's easier to teach than to live, but I believe the Holy Spirit enables us to be able to live this out. The, there's, there's a couple times of, types of hope. One's just a natural circumstantial hope. I mean, you're going to get a job somewhere. They have posted we're hiring 10 people. You put in your application, and they say, application's in today, and we're hiring 10 people. We only got five applications. You, you kind of think, I might get that job. They need 10, and only five people applied. You have hope, because it's a natural hope. But there's another hope, and that's from the Holy Spirit. In Romans, it says, May the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. I like that line. As you trust in him. And may you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Abraham was operating in the hope of the Holy Spirit, not in the hope of his circumstances. So against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just had been said of him, so shall your offspring be. It keeps getting good. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead. Sarah, I think, historically, they say, was probably about 90 at this time. So he faced the fact. Uh, sometimes Christians, we don't face facts. Like we'll say, you know, I've talked to people, maybe they're struggling with something financially, and they'll say, you know, uh, they don't have any money in the bank, and they say, I'm not broke. Well, the truth is you are broke. You are, that's the fact. The fact is you're broke. You don't have no money in the bank. But you can still have faith beyond the facts. So now I have to confess, not that I'm not broke, because the truth is I am broke. I have to confess that my God shall supply all my needs. I have to confess that my God is able. I have to confess I have to believe that God's able to do something beyond the facts, which he's always great. Again, fact, seas don't part. Axe heads don't float. People don't rise up into the heavens. There's all kinds of stuff that went on. People that have been four days dead don't rise from the dead. People who have never taken a step in their life don't walk. These are all kinds of facts. God annihilated facts oftentimes with truth, with a truth that his word said that overcame the facts. Okay, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was good as dead since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead. And, and by the way, we know this, but I just want to, I just want to reinforce how desperate this situation was. Abraham and Sarah could not have children in their childbearing years. In their good years, where they were younger, they couldn't have children. So now it really looks bad. But here's crazy, awesome Abraham. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. How? By this right here in verse 21. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. Wow. The God, he sees all the facts, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it, but I have something higher than the facts, that's a promise from God. He was wild enough to believe that everything God promised, everything God said, was true, and that he could rely on the promise of God. In fact, talk about unwavering faith. I don't know if you remember this, but it's a great illustration of what our Heavenly Father did with his son Jesus. God pulls Abraham aside, and it's like he's trying to really drive the point home to him, you know, really stab it deep. He says, Abraham, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your son, your only son, whom you love, 
and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. And Abraham obeyed. And we find out from the book of Hebrews in the Christian scriptures that, that Abraham believed that God would raise Isaac from the dead. He told the people, uh, me and my lad, we're going to go up and worship God and we'll be back. He, he believed that, hold it, God said that Isaac is the son of promise, not Ishmael, and that your descendants will come through Isaac. And so his simple logic was this. If God tells me to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, he has to raise him from the dead because my descendants are going to come through Isaac. It was the only logical thing he could believe, and he just believed God. Of course, we know God made a way, and that never happened. But our Heavenly Father did indeed give his son for us. So we look at this stuff, and we just have to say, oh, Jesus, give us the, the faith of Abraham. The only one I know that did better than, than this was Jesus himself in walking and operating in faith. Now, all of us can say that we prayed and believed God for something that didn't happen. I get it. But what, get, what does Jesus encourage us to do in our story today? Always pray and never give up. Yeah, but no, always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up and have faith, to operate in faith. Now, topics like this oftentimes make us feel guilty or shame. Because you say, yeah, but I just I haven't come through right. I get it. Every one of us are there. But that's okay. We're growing. We're, we're moving ahead. We don't understand everything. But we want to put into practice what we do understand. So I'm not here to say, hey, just want to tell you what. This is a wonderful lesson, but, you know, don't get your hopes up. You know, this is a really cool study here, but, you know, I just want you to know it might not happen. Uh, beware. Don't get too excited. No, I'm here today to tell you. I mean, get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. Dare believe. We've got enough stuff to crush our faith around. I want to tell you that God is able to deliver on his promises. And so I say dare believe. Dare trust. Dare expect. Be looking for it around the corner. I, I remember I heard somebody said they prayed for a financial need that they had, and they just believed God for it every day. They said they'd walk out to the mailbox and say, maybe this is the day. It's going to be in the mailbox. It opened up. If it wouldn't be there, that's fine. Always got tomorrow. Always got this. Always got. They just kept believing, kept believing, keep persevering, keep believing, keep trusting, dare believe. You know, wouldn't you rather die believing than die in unbelief? I'd rather have somebody say, Tracy believed for that all of his life and drew his last breath and never got it. Uh, That's fine. That was found faithful. I was found faithful to the end. Now, what do we do when we say, I feel like I've been doing that forever, you know, holding fast. Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, 13, and the first half of verse 14. Therefore put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you've heard me say before, I always wish it said if the day of evil comes, but it says when the day of evil comes. Now, the day of evil may be a day of, of, hey, it's time for you to quit. It's time for you to give up. It's time for you to believe this isn't going to happen anymore. It even happened to Abraham and Sarah. Sarah came to Abraham and said, I don't know if this is going to work. Maybe, and this was a cultural thing in that society, maybe you should have relations with my handmaiden, Hagar, and maybe that's the way that we'll have, you know, uh, a heritage. And, uh, and they did, and, and Hagar gave birth to Ishmael, and God said, no, no, that, I said that Sarah would give birth, that Sarah would. So you can give up, 
Even one time, um, the angel says, by, by the way, if you read the story, both people laughed, but there is one time where the angel said, Sarah laughed and said, we're going to name this child Isaac. You know what Isaac means? Laughter. Now, the beautiful thing about this is, I want to say this seriously, God loves laughter. Darlene's the best laughter, laugher ever. She's, I always say, if I could find 10,000 people like her to laugh at my corny jokes, I could fill up a stadium and have it, you know, travel. Uh, she's a great laugher. Um, Mary Hart doeth good like a mess. She's going to let it be 500 because she's a great laugher. Uh, but laughter, I want, you, I want you to see the heart of God. God loves laughter, and I really believe this. God wasn't saying this. <sighs> How dare you laugh at me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to curse your baby with a stupid name like laughter. You know, I'm going to name him Chuckles. That's what I'm going to do. Your baby's going to be called Chuckles. No, he said, your baby's going to be called Isaac, which means laughter. God loves laughter. He who sits in the heavens laughs. He loves laughter. And so I don't believe it's a bad uh, name for the child. I think it was a great name for the child. Laughter. Well, in Ephesians, therefore put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to. Now watch what it says. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Did you catch that? Stand your ground ground and after you've done everything there's a comma there most translations that you look up there's always a comma we never read it with a comma we kind of read it like this in our heads and after you've done everything to stand no it's after you've done everything stand so it tells us put on the full armor of God so you may be able to stand when the day of evil comes and after you've done everything, so we have a part to do to pray and believe and trust and put on the full armor, do all that. After you have done everything you're supposed to do, then stand. And just in case we're not getting it, starts out with verse 14. Stand firm then. So you say, what's your point? My point is this. When you've done everything you know to do and you've been hanging in there forever, just stand. Just keep standing. Just keep believing. Just keep trusting. Just keep... You may say, I don't, ha I don't have any new prayers to pray. Okay, then it's just time to stand. Put on the whole armor. I already got it on. Well, then it's time to stand. After you've done everything, stand. Just stand there. Just go ahead and stand. Stand firm then, and then it starts listing the, the whole armor of God. So some of you may be at the stand process, and that's never a fun process, but it can be part of the process. And the Bible says... Do not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if, there is an if there, if you faint not. Other translations say, if you don't give up. Uh, we, we got a word from the Lord, don't accept defeat. Never give up. Keep hanging in there. Keep trusting God. Keep believing. Again, you got all kinds of people wanting to talk you out of this. I'm wanting to talk you into it. I want to talk myself into it. We could be like Abraham. He's the father of us all. He's an example for us to follow. So here's our mission for the week and beyond. Fill our minds and hearts with the word of faith. Now what I mean by that is, is the word of God builds faith. I can tell you as I went over these notes over and over and over again, every time I went to Romans 4, I got faith. Faith began to build up in my heart. Wow, God, you are able you did this with Abraham. You're not a respecter of persons. This is, this is how you want to work with humanity. Will you find faith on the earth? Yes, you will. We're going to trust you. So keep filling our hearts with the word of faith. That's why I very much want to encourage you to not get all of your input from the world. 
you know, we watch the news, we watch secular TV, we watch all this. They're not believing much of God for anything. In fact, we've watched several things lately. I just said, that is absolutely an antichrist spirit there. I mean, the storyline might be cute, but the bottom underlying thing, I don't want to pump myself full of all that. So be careful. I'm not saying you can't watch TV or you can't look at the news, but be very careful because you might get to the end of the week and the average American's watching four hours of TV a day and then pumping their brain full of negative news and then we wonder, I don't know why I can't walk in faith. Well, you're logging in about 35 hours of the world's philosophy and about 30 minutes of, of, of the word of God. So get the word of God in you. Second of all, seek to know God's will in prayer. The Bible says that we have a confidence that anything we ask according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, he gives us the answer to our petitions. He gives us what we are asking of him. So we need to do the best we can to sort out and seek out the will of God. I mean, if my neighbor pulls in with the, my dream car, and I say, wow, that's really beautiful, and so I go to prayer at night and say, Lord, I just pray, you know, my neighbor and I like each other. I'm asking that he includes that car in his will uh, to give it to me, and I ask that he goes and meets you quickly. Uh, then I can pretty much say, oh, that's not the will of God. So that's not a good prayer to pray. Find out what the will of God is and pray the will of God. Then... The third thing is then pray in confidence, pray in faith. Pray in confidence, pray in faith. You're praying for some lost loved ones or friends or family members. You know what my, my favorite prayer is? It is not God's desire that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And so I say, Lord, this is your will. It's your will that no one should perish and everyone should come to repentance. So I am praying directly in line with your will, and I can pray with confidence. And then lastly, always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. Let this word, and I would encourage you, go read through Romans 4 again. Let, the, let that word of faith build up in your heart. So when you pray, you can, you can say, hey, Jesus, not bragging on me, bragging on you and bragging on your word. But you said, when you return, will you find people of faith on the earth? Yes, because I have faith in you and in your word. And I'm filling myself up with you and with the word. And then pray and confidence and never give up.